Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. As I said, we're in a series entitled The Blessed Life. And while you're finding your place, let me say that this is the most important message in the series. The title of this message is The Principle of First. The Principle of First. And I want to make this statement. If God is first, if God is first in your life, then everything else will fall into order. If God is not first, then nothing will fall into order. And this is a principle that is found all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And today we're going to look at an example of this principle in Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And I wish I could convey what this means in the original language in the Hebrew. That phrase, it is mine, is very emphatic. It's very strong. It is mine. It belongs to me. It is my property. I am the owner. That's the idea behind it is mine. This is very important as we talk about the principle of first. Reading on in verse 12. You shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. And so very, very similar language as we read earlier, it shall belong to God. Verse 13, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. It's very important as we talk about the principle of first. It says if you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. We'll come back to explain what that means in a moment. And then the last part of verse 13, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, I have three points this morning if you're writing these down. The first point is this. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. But how do you know which one to do? Well, there are two animals that are mentioned here. And they represent two categories of animals. The donkey represents animals that are unclean. The sheep represents animals that are clean. And so this passage is saying that if it's a clean firstborn, then it must be sacrificed. If it's a clean firstborn, it must be sacrificed. If it's an unclean firstborn, then it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean And I'll repeat that in a moment, but I hope you'll get ahead of me here and understand what this represents. If it's a clean, it must be sacrificed. If it's an unclean, then it must be redeemed by the sacrifice of a clean. Now, how in the world does this relate to us? Well, let me ask you two questions. When you and I were born, was our spiritual condition clean or unclean? Unclean. The Bible says we were all born in sin. 
And I can prove it by asking all the experts here in the room, the parents. Did you have to teach your children to be bad? Or did that come natural to them? You see, we have to teach our children to be good. Is that not right? So we were all born unclean. Let me ask you this. When Jesus was born, was he born unclean or clean? Hear me now. The clean, that is Jesus, the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. And that's how important this principle is. And in a moment, I'm going to relate it to tithing. But before I do, I want to share with you a thought that maybe you've never thought about before. And that is that Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus is God's tithe. And the reason Jesus is God's tithe is because God gave Jesus first. You see, he didn't wait to see if we were going to straighten up and clean up before he gave his son. In fact, he gave his son while we were still mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. In fact, Romans says it this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave Jesus first. Before the foundation of the world, God had it in his heart that he would give first. The Bible also says that the father gave his son in hope. And the root of that word hope is a reference also to faith. He gave his son in faith. And so when we give the first, the first 10%, we are to give it in faith. In faith. We give the tithe first to show faith. You see, when we don't operate in faith, we're tempted to do this. We're tempted to set aside some for the house, and we're going to set aside some for the groceries, and we'll set aside some for the car and some for the utilities. And, oh, we'll see if we have enough left over to give to God. When you're going to give, we don't just give 10%. We give the first 10%. Because it takes faith to give first. You see, God said, when your sheep has a lamb... He said, give me the first one. See, it takes faith to give the first one because you don't know if the sheep's going to have any more. God didn't say, wait until you have 10 sheep and then you can give me the one that you don't like because he keeps eating the plants around your house. He said, you give me the first one. It takes faith to give the first one. You see, so many people think, we mistakenly think that it's the 10% that enacts the blessing. It's not. It's the faith that enacts the blessing. By giving the first 10% and not waiting until you see if it all works out at the end of the month. See, one is trusting in myself and my circumstances. The other is trusting in God. And so we give in faith. So when you give the tithe first, it actually reveals faith. Do you remember when Joshua entered the promised land with the people of Israel. And God said, I want you to bring all the gold and silver from Jericho into the house of the Lord. By the way, it's always into the house of the Lord. You can't take your tithe and divide it up to various needs. It's always into the house of the Lord. 
But why did God say, bring all the gold and the silver from Jericho into the house of the Lord? Why didn't he say, bring 10% of the gold and the silver from Jericho into the house of the Lord? Well, it's real simple. Jericho was the first city. It's about the principle of first. You see, when you bring the first into the house of the Lord, the rest are redeemed. The rest are blessed. You remember when they didn't bring all the gold and the silver into the house of the Lord and Achan kept some of it? That was in Joshua chapter 7. In Joshua chapter 6, the Lord said, when you bring it into the house of the Lord, it's consecrated. It's set apart to him. But they didn't do that. And so then they lost the battle at the next city. So listen carefully. It's the first portion that is the redemptive portion. You know, when you give the rest to God, the rest are redeemed. When you give the first portion, the rest of your finances are blessed. That's what this passage is saying. So listen carefully. Don't do the example that I mentioned earlier. Don't give the first portion of your income to the mortgage company. Because the mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless your finances. But God does. Amen? The first portion, the first 10% goes to God. And that's the first point. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The second point, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. And again, I just want to key in on these words. Must be. Now, I know that sounds strong, but to say anything less would be to water down what God is saying. According to Scripture, according to this principle that is found all through the Bible, the first fruits must be offered. For example, let's look at Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, which says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. This proverb says, Honor the Lord from your possessions and from the first fruits of all your possessions. Now, I want you to notice, this passage is found in Proverbs. And the point is, Proverbs was written hundreds of years later. This is a passage, this is a principle that is found all through Scripture. Let's look at another scripture. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Now, it's interesting the way this is worded. It's as if God is highlighting just in case, you know, it's like he's saying, listen, just in case you don't know what first means. The first of your first fruits, the first fruits of your land you shall bring, and that's an important word, bring, you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Now, notice carefully how this is worded. Scripture says, you shall bring it into the house of the Lord. And I want you to notice the word bring. The reason God says, bring it into the house of the Lord, as opposed to give it, is because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. The Lord clearly says the first portion belongs to him. And so we have to bring it. So putting all of this together, and I know this sounds strong, but when it comes to the tithe, you really only have two choices. 
You can either bring it or you can steal it. Those are the only two choices according to Scripture. Remember when the Lord said, bring all the gold and the silver into Jericho? Well, I mentioned earlier that, you know, in Joshua chapter 6, it said it was consecrated when they brought it into the house of the Lord. But when Achan kept some, do you remember what the Lord said? The Lord said, Israel has stolen from me, and they're cursed. They're cursed. So it's consecrated if you bring it into the house of the Lord, but it's cursed if you leave it in your bank account. Let me ask you a simple, straightforward question. Why would you want anything cursed in your bank account? It has enough problems, doesn't it? (laughs) Why wouldn't you want your bank account blessed? It takes faith to give first. It takes faith, it takes faith, get this, it takes faith to believe that 90% redeemed, 90% blessed will go further than 100% cursed. Amen? You can't put a calculator to it. But I encourage you to test and see if, not, if, if God doesn't do some creative math in your economics. It takes faith to give first. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel? Do you ever wonder why God accepted um, Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's offering? If you keep in mind the principle of first, it'll make sense. Just keep that principle in mind as we read the story of Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now notice it specifically does not say that he brought first fruits. It says he simply brought an offering in the passing of time. Now Abel also brought firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now notice the person is also respected, not just the offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. Do you see it? You see, Cain, he was a farmer. He didn't bring first fruits. Abel, he brought firstborn. And so God said, I'll accept that, but I won't accept that. He didn't accept it. And I want to take us a little further in this. It's not just that God wouldn't accept it. It's that God couldn't accept it. You see, there are some things that God can't do. There are some things that God can't do. One of the greatest, and and one of the reasons God can't do it is because God can't act outside of himself. God cannot act outside of his own character. One of the greatest studies you could ever do is to study the attributes of God, to know who God really is. And because because of who God really is, there are some things that God can't do. So, for example, God can't change. God can't change. And the reason God can't change is because here's a theological or doctrinal word, the immutability of God. The immutability of God means that God can't change. And the reason God can't change is because if God could change, then God could get better. 
And God can't get better because God is already perfect. And so God can't change. There are some other things that God can't do. I'll just give you an example. God can't think the way we think. I qualify that because some of us know there are scriptures that talk about the thoughts of God. But those, those passages actually prove the point. God can't think the way we think. And the reason for that is because here's the theological word, omniscience. God is omniscient. It's two words. You can break it down. Omni means all. Science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. And the reason God can't think the way we think is because when we think, we think to figure things out. God's not trying to figure anything out. You know, God has never said, you know what I just thought of? (laughs) I just thought of something I've never thought of before. (laughs) You know, God has never done that. Here's another little funny thought. God has never said, oh, my self. (laughs) I mean, he wouldn't say, oh, my God. Well, you get the point. (laughs) And so there are some things God can't do. The reason God can't think the way we think is because because God knows everything at the same time. Now, you might have remembered a scripture that talks about the thoughts of God, but that actually proves the point. You know, here's what the scripture says in Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. As far as the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. So there's some things God can't do. Now let me explain how this relates to our topic today. God can't be second. He can't be second. This is called the preeminence of God. You've heard of eminence? God is preeminent. This means he's not only above all, he's not only first of all, he's before all. He's preeminent. God is first. Now, we talk about putting God first in our lives, and that's good, because we need to do that. But let me say this. Whether you choose to put God first in your life or not, you didn't rearrange his order in the universe. He's still first. He's preeminent. So the reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering is because Cain offered a second-place offering. God said, I can't accept a second-place offering because I'm always in first place, so I can't accept it. Now, we need to think about that when it comes to the tithe. Remember earlier when I said that Jesus is God's tithe? Well, then, perhaps tithing is a whole lot closer to the Father's heart than we think. You see, it represents who's first in your life. I know this is strong, but you can tell me all day long that God is first in your life. But let me see your bank account, and I'll tell you who's first. It might be your car through a car loan. It might be uh, your favorite restaurant. That's who's first. Can I say something nicely to you? Even if you did give your 10% later, can I say something nicely but firmly? He wouldn't accept it anyway. 
it wouldn't cause the rest of your finances to be blessed or to be redeemed. Where does the first 10% go? That's who's first. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The first fruits must be offered. And the tithe, this is the third point, the tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27.30 says, And all, notice the word all, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy. It is set apart to the Lord. God clearly says that it belongs to him. And that's why it's stealing if we don't bring it to him first, because he set it apart for himself. And that's why it has to be first, because God is first, and he owns it. And if we're going to return it to him, then we have to bring it to him first. Here's an illustration. Uh, Let's just say that you work for a landscaping company. Maybe you're one of the workers who's out there um, putting in the landscaping. Uh, Maybe you're an accountant uh, who works for the company. Um, But you work for a landscaping company. And so you come to me and you say, uh, Pastor Mark, uh, I heard you like landscaping and would like to upgrade your yard. And so I have a couple different plans here. And uh, here are some various plants to choose from. And here are the price listings for each of these plans. And, um, and you go ahead and select one. And so I take a look at it. And he says, okay, are you, are you agreeable to these prices? I say yes. He says, okay, this is the price for um, all the product. Here's the price for the labor, the workers that I hire to do the work. And then here is my profit. And my profit uh, for this project is going to be $1,000. Okay, so you do the project, and then you come to me afterward, and everything looks great. My house, my, my yard is amazing, and so I, I give you the payment uh, for your work, and I, and I give you 10 $100 bills, and I place them in your hand. So here's the question. You got 10 $100 bills. Um, how much is the tithe? It's $100. Okay, so zero, carry the, you know. So $100. <laughs> now, but the question is this. Which one is the tithe? You got 10 $100 bills, but which one is the tithe? I heard somebody say the one on the top. <laughs> no, the one on the bottom? <laughs> You're not speaking next time. <laughs> I heard somebody say the one on the top. Let me put it this way. It's the first one that leaves your hand. First one to leave your hand. So how does this work out in my life? Uh, I find it convenient now um, to give online. So I just go to our website, and I go online, and I actually give above 10%. And the Lord, you know, led me to do that over a year ago. I think I shared that maybe two anniversaries ago about how God was at work that way. And, um, and so that's, you know, you know, after I deposit my check, that's the first thing that I pay. And um, I, I have to confess, I didn't always do that. Uh, I've been a Christian for over 30 years. And I always, since I was in college and I first learned about tithing, I have given faithfully ever since then. And if I got behind, I always caught up, but I always brought the whole tithe into the house of the Lord. 
But, you know, even though I was faithful and even though I began giving more than 10%, sometimes I still had financial struggles. And I thought, God, I don't get it. Your promise says, test me in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. I'm like, I'm faithful. I'm doing it, Lord. How come this isn't working? And then I learned about the principle of first. And I realized that I'd been giving, but I had not been giving to God first. And so I have changed. And um, I've begun to do that, and, and I'm seeing how God is blessing. And it's amazing. So what I do is I, I go online and I give. But what if, I, what if I'm not on top of my game and I don't do that right away? And what if I come home and I see that Terry has gone shopping and uh, I go, well, that's, that's great, sweetheart. Uh, you gave our tithe, now we're cursed. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We're cursed. No, that's not what I do because, see, I'm not presenting to you a legalistic thing. And hear me, God's not legalistic either. What I'm presenting is a principle about your heart. Who's first? This is a principle about your heart. And this is a principle that runs all through Scripture. Okay, a couple more verses, and then we'll wrap it up. Exodus chapter 13. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Let me translate that into a modern-day example. Let's say it's your family. Uh, Your son grows up. He goes off to college. He gets his degree. He comes back home. And uh, you say, okay, son, uh, what I'd like you to do is uh, take over the books for the family business. And so the son is doing his job, and the father comes in from the field. And he says, "Uh, Dad, um, you know, I was was just looking at the books here, and uh, can I talk to you for a minute? Um, Have a seat, Dad. He says, you know, I'm I'm just looking over the books here, and you asked me to do that. And, um, you know, I'm noticing something here. There's a pattern. And I'm just curious, you know, what's going on here. And I'm not accusing you or anything. I mean, you know, you know, sometimes we don't even see ourselves. You may not even realize you do this. So I'm not accusing you or anything, just talking numbers. But uh, I'm looking over the books. And um, I notice that every time one of our animals has a firstborn, that you, uh, how shall I say this, um, you kill it. And... Uh, Dad, we're in the ranching business, and I think it's getting a little bit out of of hand, Dad, because last year you killed 72 animals. And I'm I'm just curious, Dad, uh, why do you do that? And he says, someday your son or somebody is going to ask you, why do you give so much to the Lord? And he says, if that happens, you tell them your story. And so the dad says, son, uh, there's something about our family that I need to tell you. There's something about our family that you don't know. You see, uh, we weren't always in the ranching business. Uh, We didn't always have animals, and we didn't have this house and everything that we own. In fact, son, um, 
We used to be slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed us, and he gave us everything that we have today. Therefore, I gladly give the first of my increase to God. And the Lord says, at some point, somebody may ask you that same question. And that's an opportunity to tell your story. And if it was me, I would say something like, well, you know, you may perceive me a certain way as a pastor. I wasn't always a pastor. In fact, I wasn't always a Christian. In fact, there was a time in my life when I was a very bad person. But God, with a mighty hand, he redeemed me and changed my life and gave me everything that I have. And therefore, I gladly give to God the first of my increase. This is a principle all through Scripture. It's called the principle of first. Is God first in your life? Let's pray. If you would just close your eyes and bow your heads. And as we often say, just ask the Lord, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me, Lord? And I want to invite you, if, if you've not done it, to make a commitment to put God first in your finances. And maybe you've put God first before like I did. I was always faithful in giving to God. But maybe you never saw it this way. And in light of this, I'm inviting you to renew a commitment to say, God, I'm going to put you first. So I just want to give you a moment of privacy and quiet time with God to do some business with him and to make a decision between you and God. Father, I thank you for your presence and I thank you for your love. And I thank you, God, for your word that is a light to our path, that you've not left us in the dark to try and figure life out, but you've shown us your way and how it works. Lord, you desire to bless us. And Lord, it only happens when we put you first. And so, Father, you see every heart here in this room. Lord, you know the decisions that are being made now. God, and I thank you that you honor those decisions. And, Lord, as those decisions are lived out, I thank you, God, that your blessing is more than we could ask or even imagine. And so, God, would you bless your people. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to address perhaps another segment in our group here today. 
And while I do, I want to invite the worship team to come on up. But there may be some of you here in this room where you've never making the very first decision to put God first in your life. Maybe you've heard people talking about God and you yourself believe in God, but you haven't actually formally made a decision to say, God, I want to open my life to you and I want to invite you to be in my life and be a part of my life. And, I'm, and if, if that's something that you've not done yet, but you're sensing that this is what you need to do, you're sensing that God has been trying to get your attention in various ways through circumstances, things going on in your life, and you're realizing it's God that you need. And if you've never made a formal decision to let him into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's real simple. The most important thing is that you make the decision because God knows what you think and what you feel. And if you're ready to make that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to express that to God. And it's real simple. We're just going to do that by talking to him. That's what prayer is. We're just going to talk to God. And what I'll do is I'll just pray out loud. And I invite you to hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. You just follow along in your heart. And we'll pray together. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if that sounds like something that you would like to do, then I want to invite you to go ahead and look up. And when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's something that you want to do, go ahead and look up at this time. And then in a moment, we'll go ahead and pray. Yes, I see you. Anybody else? Yes, okay. I see you there. Okay, right there. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. Yes, I see you here on this side. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Yes, I see you. Okay, all right. We'll pray together. Okay, good. Let's pray. God, I'm here today because I sense that you've been getting my attention. And Lord, I'm responding to you. Lord, I I came here because I'm seeking you. And Father, today I want to make a conscious, formal decision to open my life up to you. And I want to invite you to come in and be a part of my life. God, I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. I invite your spirit to come into mine and that you would dwell within me and that we would live and do life together. God, I ask that you would show me how to live because, to be honest, there are things I've done that I'm not proud of. Lord, there are things I've done that have been hurtful to myself and to others. And God, I ask that you would forgive me for every hurtful thing. Lord, I thank you for Jesus and his death on the cross to forgive me. And today I'm choosing to receive Jesus and receive your forgiveness for my past and even the present and the future. And God, I ask that you would cleanse me from a guilty conscience, from any condemnation, from any accusation, and that you would give me a new start and that you would show me how to live your way. And God, I ask that you would reveal yourself to me that I might experience you and know you in a way that's real and personal. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.